Good morning. Welcome to all those who are in the audience, those that are joining us at home, and those who will be listening later on a podcast. Uh, right before the Christmas holiday, actually, and so I hope everyone has got all their shopping done and you are settling in to that routine. We've heard a couple great sermons over the past couple of weeks as we lead up to the celebration of Christ's birth. And so um, I'm blessed and excited to be with you to talk a little bit about wonder during this season, uh, the wonder of the season. It was 100 years ago that the Boston Red Sox baseball club owner at the time, Harry Frazee, announces an agreement to sell the slugger Babe Ruth to the New York Yankees for $125,000 in cash and a $350,000 loan. It was 200 years ago that the tomato was proven to be a non-poisonous fruit. He ate a tomato on the steps of a courthouse in Salem, New Jersey. It was 300 years ago that the U.S. population was recorded at 466,185. Today, the population is 331 million people. And it was 400 years ago, on November 19th, that the Mayflower reached Cape Cod and began to explore the coast. It was 1620, as we sit here, in 2020. Why did I go through these 400 years? Well, 400 years is where we are as we start this conversation. It's 400 years that have passed between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. And so a lot can happen over 400 years. A lot transpires over 400 years. During that time, we uh, see that there are people that have been waiting silent from God. The last time that he had spoken was at the end of the New Testament. And here he begins to address his people again. Here in the book of Luke, in chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, going through verse 20, we'll begin to explore that. So just put your finger in that, put a note there somewhere. We'll get back to that in a second as we just set up some context. So Luke's account of our Lord's birth is the only inspired account recorded in all of the Gospels. Neither Mark nor John deal with the birth or the childhood days of either John the Baptist or Jesus, but they begin with the commencement of John the Baptist's public ministry. Specifically in our passage today, we meet Joseph and Mary, who will be the parents of Jesus. They're traveling from Nazareth to Bethlehem in order to be counted for a census decreed by Caesar Augustus. While in Bethlehem, the time comes for Mary to have her child. And she gives birth to a son, and she lays him to sleep in a manger. Because there are no rooms for them in the inn, and this is where we come into the story. And it's kind of like a cut scene later we'll see as they cut to the shepherds while all this is happening. So imagine this, that you have been told a prophecy of a Messiah coming to rescue you and your people. These generations have passed and people have died and the oral traditions of 
this prophecy about a coming Messiah, a promised event that would happen, is now beginning to finally come to pass. After 400 years, I don't know about you, but I might have a few doubts about whether this is really going to happen. I mean, a few days and people telling me they're going to do something for me. If it hasn't happened, I'm already questioning that. But 400 years have passed. And so it is no surprise that there is already some wonder around this truth of what's transpiring. And I wonder for us uh, during this season if we have become a little too familiar with the story and our sense of wonder may have passed. In, in, in these days, who are the people who wonder? Usually they are the small children. Their, their eyes are widened with wonder uh, at the prospect of behaving in ways that they are unfamiliar with. This prospect of us pretending to wonder or having that sense of wonder, uh, it can make us uncomfortable. To have it made today, then there should be no reason that we're wondering or sitting in a place of awe. Making it means that you are too smart to wonder. You are too adult. These surprises seem to make us uncomfortable. For a lot of us, we avoid experiences of wonder. It's easy to screen them out. This sense of wonder is the ability to be present to the world and to be touched by that world. It is about feeling awe in the face of everything. It's a humbling process. Uh, humility is necessary. And it's a necessary ingredient to the experience of awe and wonder. It's via our humility and via our personal smallness that the larger world will reveal itself to us more fully. And so I pose a question as I had to myself as I was putting this together was, when was the last time you really wondered? And so before I did that, I had to get a definition of wonder. What does wonder mean? Wonder, defined by Webster, is wholly absorbed attention at something awesomely, mysteriously, or new to one's experience. When do I wonder? For me, it happens mostly when I cloud watch with my sons. Uh, sometimes I do it by myself, but don't tell nobody. We lay down in a field. We just stare up at the sky and the clouds. We watch the fluffy white cotton move across the blue canvas with streaming rays of sunlight break through intermittently. And the production that transpires across this vastness always provides a perspective of my insignificance in the scheme of the entire universe. And so I imagine this is how the shepherds felt as they witnessed the events that transpired in Luke chapter 2. Let's go there now. Luke 2, verses 8 through 20. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. 
the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. The first thing that I think that we should wonder about and wonder at is wonder at who is hearing this story. I think there are some things here we can look at that who us as humans or as man sees as worthy or important, God may see, uh, those that we see as unworthy, God will see as worthy. As a class of shepherds, they had a bad reputation. Shepherding was a lonely and dirty job. It doesn't attract people who have better options. Shepherds find it difficult to observe the religious obligations of the day. They had to tend to the flocks all the time. So who would watch their sheep while they would attend synagogue services? And so with that, how could they be faithful to their ritual observance? And in a society who at that time really separated the, uh, the good from the bad by how well you observe those um, those religious ritual observances, uh, the shepherds were really undesirable folks. People didn't want shepherds as their neighbors. They didn't want them as their son-in-laws. They were kind of outcasts. The shepherds, however, are the ones who God chose to reveal the birth of Christ to initially. These shepherds that, were, that God chose to reveal to, they were, uh, as some historians say, were uh, different. They were uh, not your, your average shepherds, but they, they took care of a very special set of sheep. According to Alfred Edersham in his book, Sketches of Jewish Social Life, they were watching the sheep that eventually would be offered as sacrifices in Jerusalem's temple. There's little doubt it was these same shepherds that were on the outskirts of Bethlehem who, when they arrived in Jerusalem, helped spread the news that the Messiah was finally born to the world. So imagine these shepherds who are out in a field at night, minding their business, when all of a sudden an angel appears to, him, to, to them and decides to announce the coming of the Messiah. It is suspected that they knew about the uh, stories, the prophecies that were coming. And so for them to, to, to have this revealed to them, there was some connection and some understanding. So interrupting this quiet and dark night, there's this shining presence of an angel. And the glory of the Lord shone all around these shepherds. And they're standing in tremendous awe. In Legendary Legacies, we, we work with a group of young men who find themselves uh, sometimes caught up in some pretty hairy situations. 
It's not uncommon for these young brothers to have to respond to a situation where uh, maybe someone has been shot or someone has been hurt uh, mortally and sometimes fatally. It's not uncommon for them to have to go to the hospital and be there for a friend, a brother, or a loved one. It was uh, about a Wednesday, last Wednesday or so, that I responded to a situation in which uh, this was the case. And the chaos and all the things that were happening around were really unnerving. But you could see for those young brothers who this was kind of normal for, it was just, hey, this is what happens. They had grown accustomed to it. And why do I bring that up? Uh, Because in contrast, I'm wondering if we have just become accustomed to this story of Christ entering our world, coming down from the heaven and being birthed. And so if we can put ourselves in that place of where these shepherds were to see it, to understand the amount of all that they were in. Is Is it possible that we can put ourselves in that place and say, What would it look like for us to stand there out in a field and have the skies open to reveal the heavenly host to a group who would have considered themselves the most unworthy? Who are these shepherds? We are those shepherds. We are those who are not deserving, yet Christ reveals himself to us. Family, during this season, I encourage us not to let the heaviness of this year and the circumstances that surround us rob us of the opportunity to wonder. Jesus' birth sparks joy, surprise, and wonder. All these emotions flow from the experience of the shepherds who observe with amazement as heaven confesses the child's identity. What else should we wonder at during this season? I I think we should wonder at the revelation of Christ because the story of the Messiah comes together in this passage. We can see in our passage that the major offices of Christ are confessed in one sentence. He is Savior, Lord, and Christ. That is Deliverer, Master, and the Anointed King. As unbelievable as it may seem, the one with authority over salvation spends his first nights not in a palace, but in the open air among simple people like the shepherds. In this account, we see all the characters playing major roles. The angels first present the commentary of heaven on the events. They identify the child and reflect the heaven's excitement that this child has come to do God's work. The shepherds, again, have the type of response any of us should have as we contemplate these events. And their curiosity leads them to go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. As they see God's word honored in the presence of the sign, they come to testify to God's work and tell the story of the child. Now, I'm wondering, and I think to myself as I read this, there must have been a number of, of babies in Bethlehem at this time because, because, because the angel was very specific about how they would come to know that it was the Messiah and how they would recognize it. They said he was by his swaddling clothes and by his unusual crib that they would know, that he'd be found in 
a manger. There would be no other baby found in such a setting. And so the two most pathetic factors in the birth of Christ, our Lord, his swaddling clothes in his cattle-feeding trough bed, proved to be the very things that set Christ, this child, apart from all others and identify him to the shepherds. One of the names of Messiah is Emmanuel, which means God with us. The circumstances of our Lord's birth uniquely identified the Lord Jesus with the shepherds. In Jesus, who was to be both sacrificial, the Lamb of God, and the Good Shepherd. He could identify with these shepherds. He was able to be found in a cattle feeding trough. Were they considered unclean, these shepherds, because of the virtue of their job and their closeness to animals? animals? Well, yes, and, and so was he, Christ. But what a beautiful picture of our Lord's humiliation and identification with men, with us. Even the most humble of men, rejected and despised men, the God of all creation has chosen to dwell among his creation. There's a Christian hip-hop artist uh, by the name of Timothy Brindle, and he had some real dope lyrics that I think apply here. In his in his, in his verse, uh, in a, a song called The Humility of Christ, he said, And although this Lord should be worshipped, he volunteered to take the form of a servant. The Father commanded, yet asked him to come. So now let's examine the fashion it was done. Let me ask you if you seem confused with this. God passed through his own creature's uterus. I'm hoping this can help to capture the awe and the wonder of this situation. Mary, she depicts the wonder of experiencing the inbreaking of God in her life. The passage tells us that she pondered these things in her heart. The audience to the shepherd's report were very amazed. They, their response exemplifies the awe that should fill anyone who would hear Jesus' story. But Mary has a unique experience here. Because if we know about our sister Mary, up until this point so far, we've been informed by Luke that it would be difficult to see the hand of God in all of this. We know in the past that she was visited and the angel said this would happen and uh, this is how things would transpire. But, but Mary and Joseph only appear to be some unfortunate couple, an unfortunate couple who are forced to make an undesired and an unpleasant journey to Bethlehem. It is here that Mary gives birth in the most miserable of circumstances. And if we conclude things there, it, it must be made and would be likely to say how sad, how pathetic, how unworthy of Israel's Messiah. But it's here where this thing comes together for Mary when she, when she hears from the shepherds what the angels came to share with her with them. The story is not told so that hearers can identify with the new mother and the father or enjoy a story of hope or of a touching birth in humble surroundings. This birth has value because of whose birth it is. The shepherds have found that the angels' words were true. Mary, at the same time, finds that the angels' words were true. 
God's word is coming to pass. His plan is, again, strategically at work. They break out in praise to, to God because he has sent Jesus, the Savior, the Lord, our Christ. And lastly, as we, as we, as we stand in awe and wonder, we have to share this wonder. Good news is not to be kept to ourselves. When we have gathered and ascertained the truth, we are to tell it to others. We are especially to tell the goodness of salvation. Tell it. Tell it. When you know it in your own hearts and you are blessed by that experience, tell it. Though sometimes you may not be as eloquent as the pastors and preachers that are on the stage, it doesn't matter. The relevancy of what you've experienced and the truth of what you know is you need to go and share that. That is what the shepherds did when they heard this. They were quick to go and tell everyone about this. We have to be so eager to share it. However, if we get caught up in the uh, uh, commercialization and we get caught up in the routine, then we can miss the opportunity to be in wonder. Because when you're in wonder and you experience it at that capacity, you can't help but want to tell someone about what you've experienced. Glory to God in the highest. God's goodwill to men. It's manifested in sending the Messiah. Other works are for God's glory, but the redemption of the world is for the glory in the highest. God's goodwill in sending the Messiah brought peace into this lower world. Peace is here, but for all that good which follows is from Christ, taking our nature upon himself. This is, this is a faithful saying attested by the innumerable company of angels and well worthy of all acceptance. The goodwill of God toward men is glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. The shepherds again lost no time but came with haste to the place. They were satisfied and made known abroad concerning the child that he was Savior and that he was even Christ the Lord. I wonder, church, will you and I find time this season to wait and wonder? Not only now in Advent, but throughout the year, during all the days that will come. What opportunities will we have? The uniqueness of this year, the busyness of this season, compounded with the commercialization of Christmas, can have us running around nonstop trying to make things happen. But Advent, it gives us the privilege of slowing down, taking the time to wonder, to wonder about it as followers of Christ, what it is that we are celebrating. Family, I encourage you to cultivate, develop, and reacquire a sense of wonder. Curate your time. 
Select and organize and look after moments throughout your schedule that will afford you the opportunity to just sit and wonder. To wonder about Jesus Christ, to wonder about the events leading up to his birth, the fulfilling of the promises, the unfolding as they were prophesied. That is what we get to celebrate. That is what we get to stand in wonder of. These candles of Advent, they invite us to wait in wonder, to look for Christ. He was born in an obscure barn in Bethlehem, but he will come with great glory when this world folds up forever. But for now, he is hidden Where he can only be found is for those who will wait in wonder. Let us pray. Father, you are truly magnificent. You are truly beyond all comprehension. Lord God, that that you look down upon this world and look down upon me. And deem me and my fellow brothers and sisters worthy of your son to come into our world, to intersect our world, to change all of human history. Lord God, as I sit and reflect and just wonder at all the magnificence that comes along with this, Lord, I ask that you deposit in my heart, deposit it in our hearts, the heaviness, the weightiness of such a truth that God of all creation decided to come and be with us. Father, help us to wonder. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.